0: look in the book of Galatians chapter number 1. We're going to start here in Galatians chapter 1 and read some of this again, Uh, but tonight we have a, we want to, our main topic tonight is getting into Galatians chapter number 4. But tonight we want to present to you some arguments that Paul is using so he can get into chapter three verse number one the galatian people this is an galatian is a, an area it's like a state there's several different churches in that area that paul is writing to the bible said in galatians one verse number two that there are churches not church All right so there, there's more than one that's there there's uh, several different kinds of churches and they've all fallen for the same thought that the law is something that's important to them that's what paul is getting at in this pa- in this place and in 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 approaching this subject paul is well able to present the truth as you know paul was a Jew. He was more than that, he was a Pharisee. And more than the Pharisee, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he was one of the top dogs. And he was on his road to Damascus, and the Bible talks about that, and when the Lord touched him and saved him. And he, he says it like this, In verse number 15 of chapter 1, here's what Paul writes. Galatians 1 and verse 15, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. This is part of Paul's argument. He's getting down to, he's got three statements he's making. Starting in in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 13, so he starts with his personal testimony of knowing Christ and how that he learned what he learned from Christ. He didn't learn it from anybody. What he learned, he learned from Christ. And Jesus Christ is a real good teacher. I mean, here, here, this man, Paul, he had a lot of upbringing in the Jews' religion. He had a lot of knowledge that he took from the Jews. But none of that was any good. He was a man that was religious. But I tell you what, religion won't get you to heaven. Jesus takes you to heaven. <laughs> and Paul found that out. He was he was a, a man, He was he was a man that was so zealous that he would even kill people. I mean, That is not something we're supposed to do as believers. It's to kill anybody. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel to them and all that. But the Bible said that he persecuted the church of God and he wasted it. That's in verse number 13. So he was a man who had done many, many things. But God taught him what he wanted him to know. And God will teach us as well. God opens the scriptures. It's amazing to me It's amazing to me that God opens his scripture to us. That he lets us understand what he has given to us. This is what he talks about. This is his first argument. That God taught Paul. That's his first argument. That God taught him. And God will also teach you what you need to learn. God will let you understand him and his doctrine. The Bible said in verse number 17, he says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. So Paul, he didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't go and talk to people that was apostles before him. He didn't do that. That's not what God called him to do. Instead, God learned from Paul. Uh, Paul learned from God. And this is what we need to do. We need to learn from God what he wants us to do. And God will make it very clear to us exactly what he's saying and what he wants us to do. He says, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which, which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia... And turned again unto Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to, so he was, he was gone for three years. He was, he was having to relearn, no, he was having to learn God's truth. He had to get all that garbage out of his head and get the right doctrines in his mind. He had to do that. And, and God did that. It took him three years to do that. The Bible said he went up to, to Jerusalem, uh, and then uh, he, he, he returned again unto Damascus. The Bible said in verse 18, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and abode with him fifteen days. So his time that he was spending with Peter wasn't very long. That's just a little over two weeks. That's it. But other of the apostles, say James, the Lord's brother. That's the one he saw. Verse 20. Now the things which I write unto you behold, before God, I lie not. He's telling them the absolute truth of the beginning of his ministry. The beginning of it was that he had to learn from God. It would be very good if each of us would just be able to learn from God. It'd be real good. Have you ever come to the place in your life that you had to just give it all up to the Lord? That you had to come to the place of saying, Lord, I need you to show me this truth. It's like, I remember Brother Wilbur Johnson, and he said, there was a doctor, and he was never going to believe. He said he wouldn't tell him, He wouldn't tell you what it was, but he said he would never. He would never tithe. That's what he said. He said, "Well, that's silly." But it wasn't long before he saw the truth because he asked God about it. You know, God can change our minds, and God changed Paul's mind, and God can change our mind too if we just ask God. It's the best thing in the world to do to come to the place of realizing that God must put in your mind what you need. It's the best thing in the world. If you ever want to get doctrine settled in your mind, ask God about it. Privately. Just ask God about it. I appreciate you asking me. And I can tell you what I know. But God can tell you the whole truth. He he can let you understand all of the truth. And it's real good if you just ask God. But the Bible said that uh, Paul wasn't lying about all this. He wants the people to understand. Why? Because in chapter 3, he's going to tell them what they're believing about this thing of, of the law is wrong. That's what he's going to tell them. And he wants them to understand his, where he's coming from. Remember this, that Paul was a Jew. He was a follower of the law. But that didn't save him. Jesus saved him. All right? These people that he's writing to in the book of Galatians, they are saved, but they've got off into the law. And Paul is bringing down this first point. That is that the law did not bring him, did not save him. The law only brought him to Christ and let Christ save him. That's what the law is all all about. In verse number 21, he says, Afterward, I came into the region of Syria and uh, Cilicia." And was unknown by face under the churches of Judea which are in Christ. Why does he say in verse 22 and were unknown by face? He, his brain, the point is that these people that he's writing to need to understand that what the knowledge that he has is has been given him by Christ not by them or anybody else. And he tells them, he says, I saw Peter 15 days, and I saw James, and that's it. I didn't know anybody else. In verse number 23, he says, But that they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preached the faith, which once he destroyed, and glorified God in me. And so when they saw Paul, they, they, they would say, Oh, this is the guy? Uh, this is the one that after he was saved the bible says that the churches had rest had no more persecution this is the guy they didn't know who he was they were amazed when they, when they when they saw this guy walking into their building or walk, uh, walking among them and they knew this is the, this is the guy That's him. And he now preaches the gospel. Wow, what a blessing and a thrill that is. And they glorified God in me. So they were happy about that. Galatians chapter number 2, down through verse number 1, down through verse number 10, describes another time that Paul went down to Jerusalem. Verse 1. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. So now there's three men that's going. That's important to see. There's Paul, Barnabas, and Titus. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. And so here now, he is going to Jerusalem 14 years later after he made some missionary journeys. Now he's coming back. And he is telling them the gospel that he's preached among the Gentiles. This is another step in Paul's laying the foundation for chapter 3, verse number 1. It's another step. He tells them about how that he has been, that Christ approached him, and he knows that he's saved by the grace of God. He knows that. Then he's talking about how that Fourteen years later, now he comes to Jerusalem. He went up and communicated with them the gospel. He, he wanted them to know that he had preached the truth. The Bible said in verse number two, the latter part of verse number two, but privately, them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Simply meaning there, that Paul talked to these people that were of the leaders in the church, you might say, and he told them what he had been preaching. He didn't want to, to change any of the gospel, and they didn't either. This is another step, another brick, you might say, that, that Paul is laying in this foundation that he's building. Not only is he right before God, but he is preaching before, now before these leaders in Jerusalem. He wants seem to know what he's preached, that they'll be clear on it, absolutely so. And then another thing happened here, verse number three. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So, Titus wasn't circumcised. He's getting into it a little bit here, laying the foundation for it, for the argument that's going to start in chapter 3. He said Titus wasn't, wasn't wasn't circumcised. He was a Greek. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately despite our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So, there were people... That wanted to bring Paul into bodies. To stop this preaching that all the thing you need is Christ. He'll save your soul. You don't need circumcision at all. Verse number five. To whom we gave place by subjection. No, not for an hour. As he listened to their argument. he he would. That's not right. You say that's not right. What What you want me to teach. That's not right that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So he is making it very clear here that he didn't give place to them at all. He didn't preach, you've got to be circumcised after you're saved, he didn't preach that. You need to be baptized, but not circumcised. In verse number six, but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But counterwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter. And so he's making it very clear here that there's one gospel. There's only one gospel. The gospel of the uncircumcision the gospel of the circumcision is all the same. One is to the Jews, the other is to the Gentiles. It's the same gospel. They're preaching the same message. The leaders of the church, when they understood that the gospel of the uncircumcised, in other words, that Paul, as a Jew, as a circumcised Jew, was called of God to preach the gospel to uncircumcised, they said, Glory to God, go and do. They also said Peter is a leader in the church at Jerusalem. And so he a, has the a gospel of the circumcision. So let him preach the gospel of, of circumcision to them. That's fine. In verse number 8, For he that wrought effectively in Peter... To the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Who is he? In verse number, oh, verse number um, eight. Who is the first he there? For he that wrought effectively in Peter, that's Christ, that wrought effectively in Peter, through the apostleship of the circumcision, that is, Peter was the leader of the Jews. Then the Bible said the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And so Christ was mighty also in, in Paul. He was able to preach to the Gentiles. He did a great work, as Peter also did a great work. And the Bible says in verse number nine, and when James, Cephas, and John who seemed to be pillars, they were the kind of of leaders in the church at Jerusalem. They were the leaders there. That's that's where Paul went back to in in chapter 2, verse 1. That's where Paul went back to, was to the leaders, uh, to the Jerusalem church, and there he he found these leaders. James, Cephas, and John. Cephas is Peter. That's who he is. He said, They seemed to be pillars. Perceive the grace that was given unto me, They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Note some words here. In verse number 9, the Bible mentions Paul and Barnabas. But there was somebody else that was there. That's Titus. Did he give him and the fellowship? I think at this point, Titus was a young man. But they knew who the leaders were. That's what he's saying here. He gave to the leaders, who is Paul and Barnabas, this right hand of fellowship, that we, that is Paul and Barnabas, and Titus, should go unto the heathen. Sometimes we think of the heathen as being wild people, but that's not who he's talking about. He's talking about people that are that are not Jews. I guess that's a good way to put it. That's who he's going to. people that are, are not in the fellowship of the Jews. He said, and they, unto the circumcision. So, James, Cephas, and John, they gave to Barnabas and Paul, the right hand of fellowship, and saying that they should go unto the, Paul and Barnabas should go unto the heathen, and James, Cephas, and John, unto the circumcision. Verse number 10, they said this, only they would that we should remember, remember the poor, the same which al- also was forward to do. All right. Now that's point number two. And remember that Paul is working toward this, the rest of the book. He doesn't start out by just saying, okay, I won't tell you people what it is. No, it started that, that way, but he gives them First of all, his credentials. He, he gives him. He lets them know who he is before he ever starts telling them what he wants to tell them. He gets their attention first by this. This is the undeniable facts of it all. In verse number eleven, we find the third time that Paul presents his arguments here before these people. But when Peter was come to Antioch, notice the difference in places. In verse number 11, it's Peter that comes to Antioch. In chapter 2, verse number 1, it is Paul, Barnabas, and Titus that goes to Jerusalem. In verse number 11, Peter has left Jerusalem. Now he's going to Antioch. And you'll see what he, what he finds there. In verse number 11, When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. What? Paul, an apostle... It's getting on to Peter, an apostle. I thought they had an agreement. They did have an agreement. They did. But Peter broke that agreement. We mentioned that this morning, in very, very briefly in passing. And here's the reason for it, in verse number 12. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. Notice what he's saying here. Was that before certain came from James, that is, came from the church where James was one of the leaders, Peter ate with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew himself and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. And so now we got this problem that's come up. This is, this is a, a very important thing to understand, is that Paul is preaching what's happened to him when he was saved, when he was touched by God. He's also preaching to them about the events in Jerusalem. He's concluding that with the events that happened at Antioch. And he's saying all of this, in order to preach to these people, about chapter 3, verse number 1. About this thing about keeping the law. That's what's all about. Now notice in verse number 12. That before certain came from James, so so in verse number eleven, Peter had come to Antioch, and then as he was at Antioch, he was eating with the Gentiles. Everything was going fine. Peter was there, Paul was there. Everything was fine, but when certain others came from James, that is, came from the church at Jerusalem, then Peter withdrew and separated himself. Fearing them which were of the circumcision, fearing those that were Jews, that's what he did. The gospel hadn't changed at all. The gospel is the same; same has always been. But Peter, fearing those of the circumcision, has changed just a little bit in order to conform. That's what he's done. Somebody says, Peter shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's right. But let's not blame Peter too much because we're just people too. And we we can fail miserably in doing what we should be doing. So we don't want to blame Peter at all. In verse 13, the Bible says this, and the other Jews dissembled themselves likewise with him. So not only did Peter stop going around the, the church members, was so confused, the Bible says, that other Jews that were with him also followed him. insomuch so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And so, here, even Barnabas was carried away with it. Barnabas had been with Paul on a missionary journey. Barnabas had preached the gospel among the Gentiles. He knew them. But Barnabas was so carried away with it, he didn't know what to think about it. He was having confusion as well. You see, what Paul is doing is drawing these people in he wants them to understand that he knows what he's talking about. He wants them to get it. He wants them to, not to be ignorant of this at all. He wants them to understand that even Peter was subdued by it. Not only was Peter do it, but Peter withdrew himself, and the other Jews were too, and even Barnabas was being, getting carried away with it all. He wants him to understand this very vital truth. It's easy. It's easy to be religious when you're here, but is it easy to be religious when somebody's against you? That's a different ball game. But we need to be the same kind of people everywhere we are. We need to be true to God and right. The word dissimulation, verse number 13. We don't use that word very much. I don't use it very much. You know what the word dissimulation means? It means hypocrisy. And Paul got on to Peter because of this. He was a leader of it all. Paul got on to Peter because of it all. In verse number 14. But when I saw, and and, and Paul is in a, in a unique perspective because he has preached the gospel to Gentiles and he is a Jew. He understands the Jewish way of thinking, but he also understands the way of the Gentile thinking. He understands that. He says, when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter, before them all. I don't think that Paul was belittling Peter. I don't think that at all. Paul was going to instruct Peter. No doubt, there's no doubt in my mind, that this would cause some embarrassment on Peter's side. Anybody that's considered to be a leader, when they have had the the gospel truth, when God has blessed them in such a great way, and a great way as Peter as Peter's been blessed in such a marvelous way. But in this thing, he was wrong, and Paul rebuked him before them all. And he said this to Peter. Verse number 14, middle part of the verse. If thou, being a Jew, liveth after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We as he takes himself into the category, he said, we who are Jews by nature and not Gentile, not sinners of the Gentiles. And so he, he said, we have our own problems. We have, we're Jews. We have our own problems. We're, 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 we're sinners ourselves. We have our own difficulties. And not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ even as we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I want to stop right there in a second. And notice this. What Paul says in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, Know that word justify means to be made right before God. We're not made right by what we do. How are we made right? The Bible said in verse number 16, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Don't say that it's my faith that has saved me, your faith never did save you. You're not saved by your faith. You're saved by... Salvation is a gift that God gave, and God gave you the faith to believe in Him. You didn't have the faith by yourself. Faith is its what God gives. He gives it freely. See that? He said, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. A man is justified, that is made right before God, by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even... We have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. That's how we're saved. Faith is what God gives unto us. It is a gift. What a blessed gift it is. It's a wonderful gift. This gift of eternal life. The gift of faith in Christ. The only way that a person can ever be saved is when they realize that they're lost and they need something they can't supply for themselves. They cannot supply for themselves. They cannot. Until a person realizes that they're lost. They're lost. They're lost. They cannot save themselves. It's then that Jesus gives that faith. And he gives a good job. He he saves completely. I mean, he does it all. The Bible says in verse number 16, he says that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Nobody is ever saved by the works of the law. Nobody. I don't care how many times it's preached. It just won't happen. A person is lost. They need Jesus Christ to save their soul. Nobody else can save them. They must come to the place of realizing that no work that they ever do will ever be good enough. No work they ever do. Only by the f- faith of Jesus Christ, and and understand again. I said again that that faith is what is a gift from God. It is it, his kind of faith that he gives to us. It's a supernatural, out of this world believing in Christ. That, that's what it is. That's what it amounts to. The Bible said in verse 16, the latter part of verse 16, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And Paul is getting get into this thing about keeping the law. This is the third point that he's making. Let me see where I'm at here. Okay. Verse 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. It doesn't work that way. That's what he said. If some of those are seeking to be justified by Christ... We find ourselves to be sinners. Christ is not the minister of sin. Listen. When a person is saved by the grace of Almighty God, all the sins that they sin after they're saved is not of God. Can I say it like that? Sins that we sin after we're saved is of us. That's it. In verse number 18... But if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So Paul is saying, don't build up the law. Don't build it up. The law was never given to us except to show us what a desperate sinner we really are. The the law was given to us to, to, to show us that we're no good at all, that we cannot have any good about us at all, that we need Christ. Verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Verse 19 is a very important verse. Why is that so? Because the law is our schoolmaster. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might live, that we might have eternal life. God gives us the same kind of life He has. He has eternal life. He gives that to us. But the Bible says that I through the law, so Paul came salvation through the law and the more they tried to keep the law the more that he saw he couldn't keep it. He said I'm dead to the law. The law cannot save me. To be dead to something is to be unable to touch it all. It can't do it. But he's alive through Christ. That's what salvation really is. It gives us a life in Christ. In verse number 20, he says this. As he concludes this thought, he says, I am crucified with Christ. I I pray that each one of us will also be crucified with Christ. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Somebody said, every saved person is crucified unto Christ. I say no. Every saved person ought to be crucified unto Christ. But some saved people are not. I don't think Lot was. (laughs) But Paul said he was. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. May we so live that people around us would see Christ in us. Not us, but Christ in us. Because we're dead. We're dead in Christ. That's what it ought to be. He says, A life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Look at that. And that passage I'll live by the faith of the Son of God. That goes right back up here in verse number 16, where Paul said, I'm saved because of the faith of Christ. And now that I'm saved and the life I now live, I'll live by the faith of Christ, not by his faith. Rather, he's living by the faith of Christ. If you want to have a victorious Christian life, live. By the faith of Christ. Like Paul did. He had a victorious Christian life. He faced a lot of things. But we don't understand. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough faith? Hey, listen. You don't. But Christ has plenty. Christ has plenty. Christ wants us to empty ourselves. Christ wants an empty vessel that He can fill up with His Holy Spirit of God. And, and let us be moved of Him and let us have the faith of Christ. Let us live according to the way that God wants us to live. He said, I'll live, not by my faith, but I'll live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Then he says in verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness has come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave me His faith. If we try to live our way, doing things our way, we're frustrating the grace of God. That's what Paul said, I don't want to do that. He said, in verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness has come of the law, then Christ... Is dead in vain. Paul is a a very apt teacher. Why? Because Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. He was a Jew. Fulfilled all the law. But the law didn't save him. Christ saved him. Brought him unto faith in Christ. And he trusted Christ. And he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Don't be, don't be, how can I say this? Don't be trying to do stuff on your own. Let the Lord do it. He can do a much better job, much more thorough job, and he can take care of many of the loose ends <laughs> that we want to we tie up. Let the Lord tie them up. He can take care of that. He take care of all of it. There's no such thing as two gospels. There's one. For the Jew and the Gentile. Same one. Same one. After you're saved, there's only one way to say only one way to serve. Only one way. Through faith. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. Only one way to serve. That's through faith. Whose faith? It's the faith of Christ. He gives us that. Who gets the glory and the honor for it? This is amazing. I, I, I mentioned this a couple times. But I can't get it out of my mind. In Revelation chapter 4, it talks about the 24 elders as they are receiving Rewards. You know what they do with those rewards? They cast them back at the feet of Christ and say, You are worthy. I'm not. <laughs> Christ is the one that saved our soul. Christ is the one that, that we work for. Christ is the one that gives us the faith to work with. And these three thoughts, in Galatians 1, in Galatians 2, there's two thoughts in Galatians chapter 2, lead Paul into presenting to the Galatian people his understanding of what he's going to say next. And look what he says in chapter 3, verse number 1. Look what he says. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? He couldn't have said that without saying the first two chapters. He couldn't have said that. He would have come off as arrogant. But now they'll to understand where he's coming from. And remember that he is a Jew that has been saved, led by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. Peter was was saved and preached the gospel to Jews. Circumcision and the uncircumcision. And now, Paul is writing this letter to churches of Galatia, that's uncircumcised Gentiles, that they would really understand what faithful service to God really is. We'll get into chapter 3, the Lord willing, next time. We'll, but I've, I've enjoyed this study myself. And I, I, I pray that we'll be undue as we go through these passages. If you're here today and you're lost, you know, I remember being lost. I remember it very distinctly. You know, before, before I was saved, I I enjoyed going to church. My daddy made me go to church, and I I enjoyed going. But after a while, the preaching didn't get to be very pleasant. After a while, the Sunday school lessons didn't get to be very pleasant either. I remember I had a Sunday school teacher, and every now and then, about every couple, three months, he would say, How many of you are are saved? How many of you are lost? I want to see your hands. Would raise your hands if you're saved or lost. You raise your hand. He you said, Well, I just want to know because I didn't want to miss anybody. <laughs> if you're saved, I want to know about it. That's what he say. So I say the same thing to you. I, I remember what, what it is to be lost. I remember that. I remember the doubt and confusion and all that. But I tell you what, Jesus Christ washed away my sins, his own blood. And this is, it's a gift. It's a gift. You see, understand? It's a gift. It's not something that I can give to you. It's something that Christ can give to you. He can freely give it to you. It's a gift. It's free. He paid it all. I didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, didn't work for it. It's a gift. He can give it to you, too. If you're lost, He said, Come unto me, I'll, I'll wash away your sins. That's what He said. So trust Him today, is our prayer for you. Okay, my brother, you come please with sing a song of invitation. Yes. Who, who let it sing anyway? Okay. I wasn't sure who it was. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's go, Lord, in a word of prayer, if you would, and ask the Lord's blessings upon us as we uh, sing this song. Our Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you might bless tonight. Lord, I trust, Lord, that you might bless those that are lost, that they might come to know you in free pardon of sin. I can't save them. Lord, this church can't. As much as we want to see them saved. Only you can touch them. Lord, I pray that you would. I ask you, Lord, to forgive us for our sins. Help us to, as we minister this people that your will might be done. Forgive us and bless us. Keep us from harm. Watch over us. We need you, Father, today. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay. Let's